Blog Talk Radio. It comes but once a year, each tick of the clock, the time draws near, where there'll be hope for every team in the National Football League. Kuiper and Box Bump pave the way, predicting the names Kamish would say, Drastic's watching every day. For the prospects where they play, Galaxy's ranking, Box and Train, from Mobile to Indy displays, seven rounds of fun, whether it's Mr. Irrelevant or number one, it's the countdown to the NFL Draft. Welcome to the DC Podcast, brought to you by DraftCountdown.com. I'm Scott Wright, and this episode I'm going to be reviewing the Pittsburgh Steelers' performance in the 2016 NFL Draft with old friend and noted Steelers fan Shane P. Hallam, who you can follow on Twitter, at Shane P. Hallam. Shane, welcome. Hey, thanks thanks for having me back. Always always nice to uh, come back on the show, man. Well, okay, so let's start with the Steelers, and I think of, of – all the teams, the Steelers were one of the easier to get a read on in the top couple rounds in terms of just their general plans. I think we knew they were focusing in on the secondary. It was just a matter of corner safety or safety corner, which order and, and which specific players, I think, was more of the uh, the mystery when it came to the Steelers. And, and personally, in round one, I thought they were focusing on the two safeties, whether it be Carl Joseph or Keanu Neal. Uh, of course, they both went off the board a little earlier than expected, and Steelers wound up going with Artie Burns in the first round. So, uh, Shane, first off, well, what what do you think their plans were? Do you think it was Burns or Bust for them, or do you think Burns was plan B, plan C? How do you think uh, their, their plans for round one uh, were affected by what happened, if at all? I, I really think that they wanted one of those safeties that you mentioned. I mean, I think Carl Joseph or Keanu Neal would have been ideal for them. They brought in – um, 10 safeties for pre-draft visits, only five corners. So I think that safety position maybe was held in a little bit higher regard for them. Um, but uh, just with the way the board fell, there, there wasn't a safety there. And you also had some of those corners go off the board. So Artie Burns became that, that kind of upside swing for the fences corner. So I, I don't think they got their first choice. I don't think they were going into draft day. Uh, we won Artie Burns. Um, I think he was a little bit lower on the list, and when those some of those secondary players started going, uh, that that's when that's when you get a little worried. And maybe it was a little unexpected that they went with that specific player, but that was right about the range where Burns was expected to go. There was talk of maybe he sneaked into the latter part of round one, but otherwise certainly early to mid round two, he was absolutely in that top fifty range. So it makes sense on a lot of levels, I and mean, he's a talented kid. He, he checks all the boxes in terms of the physical tools. Certainly the program pedigree, getting a cornerback from that Miami program, uh, they've done a pretty good job over the years of, of sending cover guys to the next level. So um, all things considered, I don't think Burns was a, a bad pick. What was kind of the reaction in Steelers Nation, Shane? Were they happy with the pick, uh, unhappy? Steelers Nation was pretty mad. <laughs> they they did not like the pick at all, uh, mostly because none of them have heard of Artie Burns, <laughs> you know, that – when when kind of we were looking, just the casual fan, when you're looking at the draft, okay, Carl Joseph's right in the backyard at West Virginia. You start talking some of these safeties, start you talking William Jackson or, or, or Hargreaves or one of these players, uh, and then all those guys go. I think the, the Steelers uh, fans were kind of left wondering what's going to happen. Um, I think they've come around a bit at this point, especially position-wise, uh, I mean, the, the the talk here has been to get a corner for the past three years, and it just hasn't happened. So uh, I think they're at least positive about that. But but it's 
it, it's tough getting a player like Burns who's so physically talented, who's so very raw. And I think there's a lot of fear that this coaching staff does not develop players in the secondary very well. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about some of these other picks. Sean Davis in the second round moving to safety, another raw prospect who needs a lot of coaching. And so can can the, it's on this coaching staff to me of how successful this draft's going to be. If Burns and Davis can live up to their, their physical potential, then you're going to hit some home runs. And this could be a, a killer team. It could be a Super Bowl team. Um, but th- that's what has to happen if they don't then they're going to fall by the wayside like all the, the secondary um, that the Steelers have drafted the pen in the past couple of years. Well, let's talk about that next pick. Sean Davis, the defensive back out of Maryland, uh, was being looked at as maybe a potential cornerback or a safety. It sounds like the plan in Pittsburgh is for him to play safety, which you can certainly see. He's got the size to do it, and he's very physical. So uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and there again, not necessarily a, a player that – that was a sexy name, if you will, but I think he was going on day two, whether it be the second or the third round, probably went in the high range of where he's expected to come off the board, but certainly was expected to be a day two pick. So from a value-wise uh, and from a need perspective, uh, it, it makes sense for the Steelers. Uh, but Shane, where do you see him fitting in? Who, who is he going to replace? Because of course, now the past few years, the Steelers have done a nice job of kind of rebuilding that defensive front seven, the D line and linebackers and pass rushers, but they've kind of ne- neglected the secondary to a degree. And they started last year investing some resources there, and now we saw them come back again and make a huge investment in the secondary. Uh, it, where do you see Sean Davis fitting? Do you think he's going to be the free safety? And I have to imagine he's going to come in and compete for a starting job very soon, ready or not. I think you will, too. I mean, I think Mike Mitchell is pending in that free safety role. Shamarco Thomas, who they drafted in the fourth round in 2013, they gave up a, a future third-round pick to draft him. It's been downright horrible, uh, both on defense and special teams. He's been awful. So I don't think he's going to have a shot. I think it's really going to be uh, Sean Davis competing against Robert Golden for that strong safety position. And, uh, you know, the Steelers, you say free safety, strong safety. Uh, it's very interchangeable. It's been interchangeable since Troy Polamalu was drafted of how they use those guys. Um, so, so Davis, I think, will definitely play some in coverage. will play up to the line. They like to move those, play those safeties around, make the offenses guess how each of these safeties are going to use. And that's why I think they liked him, was you have a player with cornerback experience, has the height, has the weight, has the speed, um, and, and, and can hit. So you can play him close to the line. You can play him back a little bit. Uh, he, uh, you have to coach up the instincts and, and the vision reading quarterback. Um, but, so that's going to fall on the coaching staff. But I think as a, as a player, him and Mike Mitchell have some similar profiles in they can do a little bit of everything. may not be great at anything, but they can do everything, and that can confuse offenses. Well, and last question on the first couple picks, and I'm asking you this with obviously the benefit of hindsight, but is, is there something you would have done differently with those top couple picks? Would you have maybe gone in a different order with those positions or targeted a different specific player? Or in the first round, would you have maybe gone to a different comp- position completely? Anything with those top couple picks that you disagreed with? Uh, or, or are you pleased or satisfied or understand what they did? I, I mean, I'm pretty pleased, I think, with how with how the board fell. Um, that was about as good as you were going to get. You know, if, if hindsight's 2020, uh, I think looking at it uh, in in the first round, you're sitting there at 25, 
maybe you try to make the move down. Maybe you try to make that deal with the Broncos that they made with the Seahawks and move to the tail end of round one, pick up an extra pick and, and see if, if you can get Burns to fall there or you kind of switch up that plan and maybe take that safety a little bit early and go the other way. So I don't know if I would have done anything much differently. Um, I mean, I may not have gone as far upside wise. I may have taken Von Bell, uh, the safety out of Ohio State, I had rated higher than Sean Davis. Uh, I think he's a little safer pick, maybe not as as sexy of a, a height, weight, speed guy. Um, but I may have done that or taken Darian Thompson from Boise State over Sean Davis. Um, but ultimately, they, these were the positions they needed. I mean, they needed a, a corner, they needed a safety, and they addressed that. Well, and that's the bottom line. is You can argue with the specific players, but you really can't argue that they definitely addressed their most glaring need in that secondary with two pretty talented players. Now, in round three, they chose Javon Hargrave, the defensive tackle of South Carolina State. And this is one of those picks, Shane, at first blush, you think, does that make sense? Because I guess in my mind's eye, I kind of viewed Javon Hargrave as more of a quick, penetrating three-technique type. But the more you think about it, it actually does make sense because he is real stocky. He's real stout. He plays with good leverage, and, and maybe he can play that nose tackle in an odd front that the Steelers are, are so famous for. And, and they really haven't done much at that position, really, since they made that investment in Alameda Tama, who didn't work out. But they brought in Daniel McCullers a couple of years ago in the sixth round. But there's going to be some opportunity for Hargrave there. Uh, this is a position that um, they have slowly but surely gotten rid of in, in Pittsburgh. Um, Steve McClendon was there last year. He played uh, maybe a quarter of the snaps uh, at nose tackle. So what they started doing with this defensive line, they played a lot of two-man fronts with, uh, with Stephon Tewitt and Cameron Hayward. And I think Hargrave could give a little more flexibility with that. Um, they don't have much defensive line depth. Really, they have Tewitt, Hayward, and a bunch of guys they signed for camp. Uh, there's very little depth on the defensive line, even though they have kind of a good D line. Um, so, so Hargrave gives that where he can play that nose tackle position. I think you could put him um, at – uh, a defensive end or oh, when they when they have two or four defensive linemen then he can play that three technique they did play that a little bit last year so the fact that he's versatile um, is a big part of this defense because the nose tackle position is as famous as it has been for Pittsburgh Casey Hampton and all of that um, it's going away they're not using it anymore they're not using it as much as they d- used to um, so I think Hargrave being not maybe your prototypical Steelers nose tackle is a good thing uh, where they, if, if Tua gets hurt again, you know, they, they can use Hargrave in some of those situations and, and train him up. So uh, I think you're going to see him not just primarily at that nose tackle role. That's what people will think of him as. Um, but I think we'll see him playing some, some three technique, maybe some five technique at times even, and uh, use that strength to your advantage. Well, I think one of the overarching themes of the 2016 NFL draft is we, we saw that transition to more of a finesse passing attack around the league. And I think Hargrave is another symbol of that, that the Steelers would draft a defensive tackle like him. Uh, is just another sign of how the league is changing and, and kind of adjusting to modern-day football that is so pass-happy. Uh, so really interesting pick there. Then in round four, they chose Gerald Hawkins, the offensive lineman out of LSU. And uh, a good pick for them, Shane. That was never this first-round type prospect that he was being talked about at one point, but uh, the Steelers definitely needed to bolster their offensive line depth uh, after suffering some losses this offseason. And, and I don't know that 
that he's ever going to be a starter for them. At the very least, he's going to provide valuable depth at, at multiple positions. And, and he's the type of player they seem to have a lot of good luck with. He's got big, a big frame. He gives you some positional versatility. And, and yeah, they, they've got some high, high picks on the roster in the pound season, the Castros of the world. But they've also done a pretty good job of finding the Kelvin Beachums, the Alejandro Villanuevas, the Ramon Fosters, and uh, I think this is going to be a good pick for them. I, I, like I say, I don't know that he's ever going to be a starter, but uh, he's going to provide some much-needed reinforcements in the trenches. He's just a perfect fit. He's a perfect fit for how he has that nasty demeanor, that run-blocking attitude, um, and the good size. And those are the players they seem to be able to turn into um, guys that can protect, that can pass-protect a lot more than they could in college. Kelvin Beecham, I think, is a perfect example of that, of a player that was a seventh-round pick because he couldn't pass protect. Um, and then he comes to, to Pittsburgh, and he becomes a premier left tackle, gets paid like one. Um, not that Jared Hawkins is going to do that, but I'm kind of with you. I think he's a nice swing backup. I, I think he's as good as most of the backups at, the, at these positions. And the left tackle spot for Pittsburgh is up in the air. Alejandro Villanueva is probably going to start. Uh, had an inconsistent year last year learning the position. They signed Ryan Harris from Denver. He's not very good. So I think Hawkins can can um, kind of learn and get himself in that. But I think primarily he'll be, he'll be a backup, uh, probably at, at right tackle, probably at the guard positions. Um, I, and I think he, he's going to get some playing time. It, I don't think the Steelers have had a full healthy season from an offensive line. Maybe no team has. Um, so I think we're going to see Hawkins on the field this year, just just with the lack of depth on that line for Pittsburgh and how well he fits. Well, the Steelers didn't pick again until round six, and, and this is the pick that I'm really intrigued by. They chose Travis Feeney, outside linebacker from Washington, and I'm intrigued by this on a number of levels. First of all, I think he had the talent to come off the board far earlier, maybe around two, even three rounds earlier. There's just some concern about his durability, and he doesn't have that ideal bulk you look for. And, and not necessarily, once again, the type of players we've always seen the Steelers target at that position because he comes in at under 230 pounds, but he's going to give them a dose of athleticism and speed that they they were currently lacking. And a good situation because, let's face it, James Harrison doesn't got much left in the tank at 38 years old. Jarvis Jones is entering a contract year. To this point, he's been a disappointment. There's going to be some opportunity for Feeney to come in and make an impact. At the very least, I think, as a situational pass rusher, special teams, uh, core special teamer, and, and who knows, maybe more if, he, if he, he makes his mark. So this is a really intriguing pick for round six. Media here already loves him. He's just he's one of those guys that says what he thinks and uh, has has a good good way of talking about him and be, being very natural um, and and very funny. So I think he's going to be a good locker room player and fit right in with, with kind of Joey Porter coaching those linebackers where you have this undersized guy who uh, I think works really hard. I think has a, has a great motor uh, and you add that with that, some of that athletic ability. Uh, I think he can overcome the size. So it's another position where, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he ever becomes a starter, um, but the, the, as, as you mentioned, Scott, uh, you have James Harrison getting older. He's going to last this year. Maybe one more if you're lucky. Jarvis Jones, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so he's probably going to be gone. Um, so so this, this outside linebacker position going to be a big position of need for Pittsburgh moving forward, even after taking Bud Dupree in the first round last year. So I think Feeney's going to have a shot um, to, to make an impact if he can impress 
I think we'll see him on special teams this year. Uh, maybe a guy that starts on the practice squad. Uh, but I, I think he has some of those tools that, that could be very unique. I, I think the Steelers might, might uh, want to move away from kind of the Jarvis Joneses of the world and try some of these undersized pass rushers that the, the system hasn't been before. And this is a good trial for him this year. Uh, this is his chance to convince the team that he can be a replacement for Jarvis Jones if one is needed. And, and if not, if he's not the solution and Jones leaves, they'll probably be in the market for one uh, pretty early on next offseason, whether it be in free agency or the draft. So uh, a, a pretty good landing spot for Feeney, all things considered. Now, in the seventh round, their last two picks, uh, first was Demarcus Ayers, the wide receiver from Houston. And, and Shane, this is just one of those teams I tend to agree with most of what they do, but if I had to nitpick, this would be the one pick that I didn't necessarily love, whether it be the lack of ideal physical tools, maybe not the greatest need. I mean, you know better than me, but was he going to compete for, even with even with uh, Martavis Bryant out, competing for maybe the number five, number six job, maybe with some return duties? Uh, I don't know. I just think they could have done a little better there, but I mean, it's a seventh-round seventh round pick, so it's not like I'm, I'm going to kill him for it, but... Uh, uh, and then their other pick was Tyler Madikiewicz, inside linebacker from Temple. And this one I really like, one of my personal favorites of the entire draft. And one of those guys, yeah, he's not as big as you'd like, he's not as athletic as you'd like, but all he does is make plays. And, and I'm not saying he's going to be the second coming of, of, of Zach Thomas necessarily, uh, but I think he's going to play in the NFL, and uh, I, I just dare anybody to bet against him. I think he's going to make that roster. And, and there aren't many seventh-round picks that I feel that confident about, but I just think Medicaid is going to make it impossible for the team to cut him. So uh, your thoughts on those final two picks in the seventh round of Ayers and Medikavich? I I like him. I think Ayers, yeah, he's, he's, he's not maybe the physical specimen that I think if you want a receiver, you take a shot on in, in the seventh round. Um, I think this was a special teams pick. They really don't have a kick returner. The Dree Archer experiment was a massive failure. Um, and Marcus Wheaton, Fitzgerald Toussaint, you know, who's who's going to have kick return duty? So I think that's DeMarcus Ayers. Here's your shot. Are you a good kick returner? If not, then they're probably going to cut him. Um, I think I think the Matikavich pick, I, I couldn't believe he was still sitting there. Uh, I know he doesn't have those those physical tools, but, man, I mean, he's a football player. And you watch him as a leader of that defense. And I, I didn't think he was that inept. Uh, I, I thought he, he he sunk his hips pretty well. He changed direction okay. Uh, I, th- I think it was good enough to play in the NFL in, in one of these three, four inside linebacker positions. And, and the Steelers just love taking these these type of linebackers um, in the sixth, seventh round. Jordan Zumwalt in, in 2014 still on the team. Anthony Ciccolo last year in the sixth round still on the team. So these, these players have a tendency to kind of stick around. Vince Williams in 2013, he stuck around and played very, very well for a six-round pick. So I think Matikiewicz could uh, – I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to compete for that kind of fourth inside linebacker spot with uh, Steven Johnson and, and L.J. Fort, and we'll see if he can win that, be the fourth inside backer. Um, and with Ryan Shazier's injury history, you, you never know when you're going to get a shot. So I, I love that pick, and, and maybe from a value perspective, I think it's probably the best one they made. All right, we're going to pause for a quick break, but we'll be right back to wrap up this review of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 2016 NFL Draft with our closing thoughts and grades. All right, Shane, we're back, and let's just kind of give our closing thoughts, our overall thoughts on the Steelers draft class, and 
And I'll kick it off. I liked it. Like I said, at the top, they're just one of those teams that I tend to agree with the vast majority of their decisions on draft days. And, and this year was no exception. I maybe don't love it as much as I have some of their other classes in recent years, uh, specifically those top couple of picks. But it's not that I dislike the top couple of picks. They make perfect sense. They're fine value-wise. Uh, so overall, I think the Steelers did a really good job, and I debated for my grade between B, B plus, and and also me, I went with a B plus because the only pick that I could really uh, make a case against would be Ayers, uh, and even that's a seventh rounder. So anytime you leave, all all I can criticize is a seventh round pick. Uh, you're doing pretty well for yourself. So I'm giving the Steelers a B plus for this effort. I, I'm with you on the B plus. I, I think that's right where it falls. They addressed needs. Uh, kind of very consistently. Um, I think this the Steelers continue to be one of the most prepared teams in the draft where if something does not go as they expect, that they can make that adjustment quickly. Because uh, you wonder how this draft would have changed. I mean, one pick before them in the first round went William Jackson from Houston, uh, who uh, we, we talked before the show that, that he, he didn't visit. Usually they have the players visit that they draft. They did have dinner with him after his pro day. So maybe they would have taken him in the second round. Uh, T.J. Green, the safety out of Clemson, I know they liked a lot. He went one pick before them, and they took Sean Davis. So I don't think they panicked, you know, and, and I think they had their guys kind of lined up, and it works out really well. Um, I still feel like this draft hinges on the coaching staff. You have so many players with raw tools and Artie Burns, Sean Davis, and Javon Hargrave. You, you need to develop these players. Um, I think the general manager did a great job. And I think if we look back in three years and five years and two of these top three or all three are busts, I don't think it was the GM's fault, even though they'll get that blame. I think it's going to be on the coaching staff. You have to be able to develop these players that have these tools, and they haven't done a great job of that in the secondary. So I'm super interested to see if we see some playing time from these players. The Steelers usually like to not have those defensive rookies be on the field too much, but uh, they they don't have much depth. And if if Artie Burns can't – can't beat out Ross Cockrell and Sean Davis can't beat out Shamarco Thomas, then uh, something might, might be wrong earlier rather than later. Well, yeah. And, and ultimately my big thing for reviewing a team, how well they did, because we never know it, it takes years to truly evaluate a draft. But the two biggest things for me are, did they get value for their picks? Did they take the players right about where they're expected to come off the board? And did, did they address needs? And I think in both of those, uh, on both those counts, the Steelers, uh, did each with their top two picks. And you talk, Shane, about how in pre-draft workouts they brought in all these cornerbacks and safeties. And, and it was obvious from anybody paying attention that they were going to be going with defensive backs early and often. And it was just a matter of which players and which order. So um, it ultimately it comes back to what I said earlier. Uh, I think we could debate the players they chose, but we can't debate whether or not they address their needs. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys develop for them. They're going to be asked to come in and play uh, immediately and make an impact right off the start, uh, which doesn't always happen with Steelers draft picks. Over the years, they've had the luxury of being a little patient and, and bringing guys along slowly. I don't think that'll be the case with these two. They need to get them ready to play early and, and their ability to coach them up and get them ready for the, that significant action as rookies is, is really going to determine uh, what type of draft class this was for them. Uh, so with that, Shane, we're going to call the show. Uh, before I let you go, I want to let everyone know that they can follow you on Twitter at Shane P. Hallen, and you can also check out his website, drafttv.com. So thanks, everybody. So much for tuning in, and don't despair because the next NFL draft is less than a year away. Tick tock.